0: Star Trek Picard, Episode 5, Stardust City Rag, gave me my most complicated feels that I think I've ever had about a Star Trek series. It was both, simultaneously, one of my favorite episodes of not only Star Trek Picard, but of Star Trek, and at the same time, probably my least favorite episode of Star Trek Picard, and, well... So long as evolution is out there and several episodes of Voyager and Enterprise and Discovery not not my least favorite overall but very very complicated feels so we're going to hold two things in our minds simultaneously as we discuss Star Trek Picard on today's episode of Project Shadow Tell you hear me? I have something to say Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, And, yeah, I, I have not had this level of complicated feelings about anything in a very long time. And, yeah, we, we have to talk about that. But before we do, if you haven't already, please do take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It does help out a lot. It tells the algorithms to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the bigger the community, and the bigger the community, the better the chance we have of actually communicating with each other in real life. Alrighty, so let's get into it. Um, I, I really don't know what to say about this episode of Star Trek Picard because, like I said in the intro, I absolutely loved it. And I really disliked it. And it's not even like one of those things where I can say that there were parts that I didn't like and parts that I did like. Because the two things really overlap. And make it really difficult for me to find a clear through line. This is one of the reasons why I stopped giving ratings to shows and books and movies and stuff that we review because it's sometimes it's complicated and this is one of those moments that's really complicated the most frustratingly brilliant thing about this episode and about this show in general is how I don't want to use the word subversion because it's not subverting any of our expectations it's abusing them and it's doing the For both cheap, cheap, cheap emotional investment and to quickly establish motivation. And the fact that it's able to pull off both of those simultaneously is infuriatingly pleasing in a strange and upsetting way. And that really does come down to where I am, especially on this episode. And why I have to rank it as one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, even though it makes me really, really angry. And I wish more fandom could do this. Because what I want from my media, more than anything, is not a passive experience. I don't want to just sit there and be patted on the head and have it just be pure fan service. I want it to challenge me and I want it to make me feel something. And this episode definitely made me feel stuff. I just think it was cheap and underhanded in the way they did a lot of it. But I don't think I can talk about anything else without going into spoilers. So definitely, if you haven't watched this episode, watch it. It's good. It's infuriating. It's angering. And it's, it's really well done. <laughs> so, all right, let's just... Let's go. If you haven't watched episode 5... Star City rag of Star Trek Picard and you don't want to know anything that happens. check out now and c- go watch it, come back, and we'll talk about it. Spoilers are incoming in five, four, three, two, one. We all knew they were gonna kill each other, right? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of the the cheapest thing ever. Because as soon as we saw that trailer, and we saw Seven crying over someone, we knew that that was one of two people. That was either Chakotay or it was Ichab, And it was going to provide a lot of her character motivation for the series. I mean, it was the most obvious thing that you could do to set Seven on a particular course of action. And it infuriated me right out of the gate for two reasons. One... The level of gore and body horror that they used in this scene, literally watching Egypt get ripped apart. I I think that was uncalled for. Well, I don't think everything needs to be family-friendly. And trust me, I'm the last person who does the think of the children thing. Star Trek has always been family-friendly. And... This episode, as well as several episodes of Star Trek Picard, have really not been. This this is definitely adult Trek, and I I feel like that misses the mark. I I didn't want an R-rated Star Trek. That's not something that I was looking for. That's not something that I wanted, and I think that goes too far. If you want Star Trek to live on, it has to be able to bring in new fans, and yes, A lot of new media is gory and violent and dark and grimdark and all of that crap. But I I think you could have accomplished the same emotional feels without showing Icheb's eye literally being ripped out of his skull. That was unnecessary. That was gratuitous. And that was just their way of saying, hey, look, see, we're not like the Star Trek that's come before. We're edgy and we're different. And... I'm sick of that. I really am. And for everybody who's going to bring up the beginning of First Contact, where Picard is getting his Borg enhancements, no. <laughs> that, that's a completely different thing that's a movie, number one. Number two, I felt like it was much more clearly labeled. I believe that movie was PG-13. I, It just, it was out of nowhere, and it was It was upsetting. (laughs) It was frustrating and it didn't need to happen that way. It could have happened in a way that wasn't as grotesque. So, yeah, I I think you could have told the same story without doing that. Number two, why'd you have to kill Ichab? Like, I get it. I get it. I get it. You wanted to quickly and easily set up that Seven is a different person now and that she's just kind of out for revenge because this is a Seven revenge episode. Yeah. So you bring back a nostalgia character because you know, we're all going to have connections to him because of the characters that were in star Trek Voyager. Each hub is a well-loved character and a character that had a very close relationship to seven of nine. And then you make her kill him in the opening minutes of the episode to pull on our heartstrings. That's why I named this episode, the death of nostalgia, because that's, Literally what they're doing here. Oh, look, it's Ichab. You love Ichab Now we're going to do terrible things to Ichab. We're going to torture him in all the most disgusting and grotesque ways that we can. We're going to drill into his skull and then make the woman who's essentially his mother murder him because he begs her to kill him. Because reasons... Death in Star Trek has always been a problem for me, especially for something like this, because, you know, with thermal regenerators and whatnot, couldn't they, couldn't they, like, fix him? Like, I know they're going for a more gritty Star Trek, but I've seen the doctor on Voyager cure people who went through a lot worse. So, yeah, I, I, uh, that, that, it was frustrating always around. And it was a cheap gut punch. And that's what a lot of this episode felt like. It was a lot of cheap gut gut punches. Skipping ahead to Raffi and her son. Like, yeah, I saw that coming. Who didn't see that coming? Like, we know that she lost everything and became kind of drug addicted and whatnot. And we knew that that scene was coming. It was clearly telegraphed. And I didn't know who she was going to meet. And then... When it became clear, like, oh, she's going to meet her kid. Yeah. It was gut wrenching. It was beautiful. And see, that, that's the thing is they're the cheap shots, but they're effective. They work in the time limitations that a show like this has. We get to learn so much about Raffi and what she gave up for Jean Luc and why she doesn't like JL, why she is so embittered because she lost her family. And so we understand her better, and it works on that level, but it's also that cheap gut punch on the other side, and it shouldn't work together like this. And I blame Jonathan Franks. I blame Jonathan Franks. He is a good director. He's a very good Star Trek director, and he made it work. And not to mention Michelle Hurd. I mean, she sells the scene so well, just like Jerry Ryan sells Seven so well. It, it works, but they're cheap Cheap gut punches. And Star Trek should be better than that. You don't need to telegraph all of this emotional baggage. Give us something to hold on to. It's really frustrating when Star Trek has that feeling of being cheap and tawdry. And this episode had that, and it had way too much of it. But at the same time, it was a very powerful story, and it moved everything forward. And... Oh, it's it's just so frustratingly entertaining. And that's the problem. It's kind of like, what happened with Agnes Gerard? The moment we discovered that, oh, she was in love with Bruce Maddox, it was obvious that she was going to kill him, because that's the show we're getting. The show has entered a predictability phase, where if somebody has emotions, if somebody has deep affection for somebody, something bad's going to happen. And that's the problem with Grimdark. That's the problem with doing this type of story is that it's eminently predictable. And so, of course, they find Maddox. They save Maddox. She kills Maddox because she doesn't want to. But they showed her what's going to happen and she has to. And if if you only knew what she knew. And of course, she's not going to tell us what she knows because that would spoil the plot and God, help us if we actually know what's going on. Yeah. And I really hope the writers know what's going on. I really do, because the biggest problem that this series has had from its inception is that it keeps promising this huge payoff. There's this huge payoff out there. And we don't know what it is. We know that Sochi is apparently the destroyer. And that's it. That's it. In fact, after we learned that Soji is the Destroyer, we really haven't gone back to visit her, really. So, what, what's the deal? <laughs> Why wait, wait, won't you tell us more? Because you can't, because then your story will be over, and so we need to continue to side quest. and In so many ways, this episode felt pointless at the end, because, oh, we found Maddox, and he's dead now. And if what they're going for is showing that how... We should continue to struggle on for what's right, despite how futile it may look. And if that's the end goal of this series, if that's where we end up, bravo, masterpiece, you've done a great job, as long as you stick the landing. But right now, as of right now, everything that this show is doing just feels like it's pointless. It's pointless. And uh, that's really frustrating for a show that you want to have much more optimism in it. Cause it's Star Trek, and that's kind of Star Trek's thing. Yeah, so I, I I really don't know what to do about this. Cause, you know, the the problem that we now have is that Agnes has been confirmed to be an agent for Commodore O. And whether she's reporting back or not, we don't know yet, but apparently they showed her something that made her kill the love of her life, because of course they did. Now. Next episode, everybody's going to find out about it because the EMH saw what was going on and got turned off and is going to remember and is going to tell somebody and, oh drama! Why did you kill him? And we're going to get one of those wonderful Picard scenes where Sir Patrick Stewart yells at somebody and puts them in their place and maybe then, maybe then, we'll get the reveal of what the Destroyer is and why Soji is dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But until we get there, (laughs) we don't have that. And that's where I'm talking about the show just being frustrating. I'm really enjoying it. I love the characters. I love the story. Like in and of itself, it's been really entertaining. It's just going for these quick, fast gut punches because it knows it's going to get people like me to talk about them. And that makes me feel exploited and used. And it's not just people like me who do shows like this. It's people who are fans of the series. Who are watching it are going to talk about this. Because oh my goodness can you believe they killed each other? Oh my goodness can you believe the Seven of Nine is a mercenary now. Oh can you believe that Seven of Nine is apparently a lesbian. Who dated somebody named Bajazzle. And can we talk about that name. Like Star Trek had some really clunky names over the years. But seriously you're going to name a character Bajazzle. Bajazzle. I'm sorry Bajazzle. <laughs> okay. B-J-A-Y-Z-L. Okay, you named her Bajazzle. Really? And the reason I say that Seven is bi, or at least a lesbian now, is because the way she and... God help me, I have to keep saying this, Bajazzle talk to each other. It's a spurned lover thing. They got close together, Bajazzle stabs her in the back, kills Echeb, and now she just wants her dead, and then she turns her into Red goo. Okay, so fine, whatever, (laughs) whatever, I mean, uh, if it wasn't so entertaining, I don't know that I would keep watching, because I do feel like I'm getting punched, and I'm hoping there's a payoff. It feels like there's going to be a payoff, because the writing has been good, the acting has been good, the directing has been good, the visuals have been good. So I keep telling myself that all of this low-handed just underhanded crap that they're putting me through where they're dragging up nostalgic characters because they know I have a pre existing connection with them and manipulating those feelings, which I'm done with. I'm done with. Yeah. It was nice to see the quirks franchising now and all the Mr. Mott has is franchising now and yeah. Easter eggs are wonderful. Yay. Easter eggs are fine, but this stupid gut punching crap where you're pulling up characters and exploiting them for easy shorthand one, it's not going to work. Anybody who didn't watch Voyager is not going to care about that opening scene with each and Yeah, it may have some emotional resonance, but because you didn't establish any emotional resonance between her and that character, they're not going to get it. So you're relying on this pre-existing condition that somebody sat through all of Voyager, because Ichab doesn't show up till towards the end. So there's a lot of Voyager you have to get through before you get to Ichab. Yeah, it, it. They need to be careful. They need to be really careful about this. But on the other hand, it was so entertaining to see Elnor, the child, not under because he's on the path of absolute candor, not understanding how to pretend. And to see Sir Patrick Stewart do his best French Werner Herzog villain was wonderful. And I loved it. And that scene with Raffi and her son, I, I know I went off on it, but it was beautiful and it was well done. And it really did set the stakes for her and better have an amazing payoff. Because that's the thing is they're adding stakes. They're adding stakes. They're adding stakes. And this is why a lot of sci-fi projects feel like they let us down in the end, because you can't keep raising the stakes like this unless you have one hell of a payoff coming in the future. That's worth everything that we've seen people pay. And I I can only hope that they have that. I can only hope that they have that because and it needs to happen soon. Like it has to happen in this season. Because if it's something that I have to wait three, four, five seasons, no, that's not a valid payoff. I need something now. And it doesn't have to be the resolution of the story. You can just explain to me why Soji is so important, why everybody is so freaked out about her, why the Romulans are as kooky as they are about AIs. Give me that now. Make it good. And please, dear God, don't make it time travel. Though, if you're going to keep pulling nostalgia properties, have it have something to do with V'ger. Don't have it have anything to do with the Borg, but have it to do with V'ger. Give me more of that. I'll take it. I'm fine. You can't make me love you and hate you simultaneously at the same time. This is an abusive relationship. Well, it's not quite abusive yet, but it's getting there. Oh, Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek. How are you making me love and hate you simultaneously? This is... This has been a big part of our relationship since you allowed J.J. Abrams to put his dirty, grubby little hands into this franchise that he didn't understand and do terrible things to it. And you're continuing it through Discovery and you're continuing it in Picard. I'm not saying everything needs to be like the old series. Because even The Next Generation was a marked improvement on the original series. Do nine was an improvement on the next generation? This could be a great evolution for the show, but you're setting up so much. That's going to have to pay off. And I really feel like you're building up a debt that you're not going to be able to pay. So hopefully I'm wrong. I would love to know what you think about it. I would love to know what you think about it. Cause i know i've complained a lot and don't think i don't like this show i do it's just it's frustrating this episode was frustrating and brilliant at the same time and it's possible to have two feelings two thoughts in your head at the same time embrace the paradox if you would please down in the show notes you'll find a link to the voice message system i would love to know what you think about this episode the series what's going on with star trek in general Anything, any topics, questions, anything you'd like to hear on the show. would love to hear from you. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. Thank you. If you'd rather hit me up on social media, I am C.E. Dorset on both Twitter and Instagram, and you can find links to everything that I do over at ProjectShadow.com. Okay. If you've got... This is always the hardest part of the episode for me. If you've got a dollar you can pass my way, down in the show notes you'll find a link to both listener support and my Patreon. Thank you to everybody who does that. It means the world to me. It helps me pay my bills. It helps me to buy new software, helps me buy equipment. It just—it It is my lifeline. (laughs) Thank you so much. If you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, don't worry about it. But if you have any friends that you think would like anything that I do, please share it with them. That helps out more than you could possibly know. Alrighty, I think that's it. I think that's it. This has been one crazy episode. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.